Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So I um, want to talk about this really great text that is in Luke 2. And this is like kind of after, it's like the Christmas story, but it's kind of after the Christmas story. And so it's, it often gets uh, skipped over, but it's so gorgeous. And I just want to um, talk about Simeon and Anna. So I'll read through this once. Uh, let me know what word or phrase sticks out to you from this. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem, and he was righteous and devout. So right up top, we have, I'm going to be doing a little bit of commentary to keep the engagement. So right up top, we have uh, the character of Simeon, righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. So there's an inner fervor. Uh, within uh, Simeon, the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That is like, uh, Christ isn't Jesus's last name. Like the, the Christ is like the cosmic expression of God who like uh, is incarnate into the world, um, the creator of all things, who then becomes our savior. Led by the Spirit, he, that is Simeon, went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. Okay, so I just love this little moment of, like, the parents being like, okay, we have to do, you know, like, there's so many check boxes of parenting. We have to do what's customary under the law. This is a tradition. We're doing this. And then they get to the temple, and Simeon is like, let me love this child and praise God. And this is what Simeon said. Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word. As in, like, he's praying to God, like, let your servant go in peace, as in, like, it's okay for me to die, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared the salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. That's what he prayed to God. Like, that's how uh, ecstatic he was. And you can tell that he was ecstatic, because then the text says, his father and mother were amazed by what was said about him, as in Jesus. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that generates opposition, so the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. Okay, so (laughs) we have parents who were like, well, it's time to get our child, you know, blessed and do all the things that, that happens at a temple. And then Simeon is like full blast, like, this is it. God is here. God's fulfilling promises. And the parents who not, but last week we heard this story about how the parents like fully knew that Jesus was the Christ, that, that Mary heard a word from God, that Joseph heard a word from God. And even still, Mary and Joseph were like, what? (laughs) Oh, him? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Sure. (laughs) So, uh, doesn't it take 
some, some community elders to remind us who we are, even when we know who we are, right? So I, I love that detail. And we will talk on that line, a sword will pierce your innermost being too. So that was Simeon, right? Uh, so uh, he, he's faithful, the Holy Spirit rested on him. He went to the temple, saw Jesus, proclaimed this thing. And then we hear from um, another side of that story in the same place. There's also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel. So right off the bat, I want to name that women can be prophets, these proclaimers of justice and liberation who speak to society. Women can be prophets. Uh, there's prophet Anna, uh, who belonged to the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. And she was now an 84-year-old widow. Uh, which, by the way, widows are a marginalized people group in Jesus's time, and arguably now, but certainly in Jesus's time, least of which because widows were often economically insecure. They didn't have someone to provide for them, for them and they didn't have job opportunities to be able to make an income that uh, often left them in very insecure situations. So uh, here's Anna, who's this 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who is looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Are, are you picking up what we're throwing down? And so, like, there's Simeon, who, like, in some ways, I think was um, more recognized for his authority. He was able to pronounce blessings on people, saying, like, yo, this is it. And then there's Anna, who, in many regards, represents a marginalized people group, who was like, my own faith confirms this. And I wonder what Simeon and Anna's prayer lives were like. Um, you know, we hear that Simeon cared about a new world, about the fulfillment of the promises of God, that, that his uh, society, that his community would be redeemed, but also that the whole world would be free. So you can imagine uh, the incense that Simeon lit as he was looking out over the world and seeing the Roman occupation, this colonizing force, and, and seeing uh, families broken apart in his society by the Romans or by our own machinations. You can see the disappointment and the heartbreak, the poverty and the struggle. And you can imagine his study of these ancient scrolls of scripture that promised something that seemed so far away. And yet he continued to resolutely go back to prayer and let the Holy Spirit rest upon him. And then Simeon, after all of this prayer, all of this dedication, saw the glory of the Lord. Simeon, after all of his longing, after being so completely frustrated with the current state of things, saw a child, and he knew in that moment that God was doing something new. That after all of these years of repetition of ritual and internalizing the message of his faith tradition, he looked at Jesus and was like, that kid's the kid. Like, that's the child. That's the one. That's what was promised. That through this child, all of us were on the watch night, on the eve of freedom. That through Jesus we would be made a new people. 
You know, and then like zoom over to Anna, who, uh, you know, the scripture emphatically says that night and day, Anna was at the temple. Okay, just naming like, I, I know that there's a lot of folks who are like, I can't believe church is every week. I wish it could be every month. It's like, okay, just let the record show that Anna was there every day and every night. Okay, bless the Lord. And uh, and you can imagine kind of like people in society looking at Anna in the temple. And maybe some of them thought, wow, what a devout, faithful person. But maybe some of them would kind of look down at her and, and said, you know, you don't really need to be doing this every day, Anna. Like, go out and see the world. You're just, Anna, like, with your pathetic prayers, like, what about the rest of life, you know? You can kind of imagine uh, what Anna had to deal with. And, and maybe within her own fasting and her own prayers, she encountered some of her own doubts, as I'm sure any of you who, are, who have engaged in spiritual practices encounter, um, that there's some doubts of like, well, is this actually making a difference? Or does this really matter? Or do I have to do this every day? And, and you can kind of imagine that Anna um, continued to show up to the work even as she was sure or not sure about what faith life required of her. And, and she was looking out over the world and thinking, maybe I need to go see the world just like everyone said. But she stuck with it to her prayer practices, to spiritual discipline, to community. And then one day, instead of going out to see the world, she saw a child who was the creator of the world. She saw the promises fulfilled of God, that in this small child, uh, as you know, tiny his hands were and as many like kid sounds as he was making, as, as exasperated as his parents were, this child was God on earth. And that when God came on earth, God promised that things would change, would shift. And Anna, through all of her spir spiritual fervor and practice, was now able to recognize that, was really able to recognize God showing up. And so this is uh, where I want to really delineate between two uh, concepts that are often confused for each other or that can often look similar to the untrained eye, but are actually completely different from each other. Because we have to be able to tell the difference between religious fanaticism and faithfulness. The difference between fanaticism and faithfulness. Because from the outside, in some ways, you might think that these are very similar. Uh, both the fanatic and the faithful attend to these spiritual practices with fervor, with passion, with regularity, even when they don't want to. Both the uh, fanatic and the faithful sacrifice. Uh, they give themselves willingly. They give their time, they give their money, they give their energy, they give their relationships, their whole lives. Uh, the fanatics and the faithful both practice a generosity that makes us question uh, if, if they're really, like, okay. You know, like, there's almost like a stigmatized generosity to that. And both of them have beliefs that in many regards, depending on their context, like, go in contradistinction to what society says is true or real. Um, and so, like, those are some ways that perhaps the fanatics and the faithful might look similarly from the outside. 
And indeed, the Gospels, that is the stories that we have about Jesus, talk a little bit about fanatics. You know, we have stories about the zealots, we have stories about religious teachers, and, and Jesus was pretty clear about what fanaticism gets us. Uh, rigidity with rules. Infighting over uh, microscopic details of things. Uh, uh, and, and ironically, a deepening of society's oppressions. Uh, a continued persecution of women. A continued persecution of children. The poor. The, uh, the people that society has already marginalized out, oftentimes fanaticism multiplies that type of marginalization. And Jesus's criticism was that if you are obsessed with the rules about following God, you might miss the God that those rules are trying to get you toward. If you're so rigidly grasping the rituals, the practices that have to be true, uh, in order for your perception of God's truth to be revealed, then you might actually not hear God's truth. <laughs> Do you understand? Jesus is saying there's a futility to fanaticism. There is a way that fanaticism in itself can destroy itself. Um, I don't know if you have Netflix, but there are lots of uh, movies, documentaries, shows about um, cults and religious fanatic folks. Um, there's a certain like fascination, I think, within our culture of, of it. And we see uh, the themes uh, from all of, of those documentaries, right? Like um, the cutting off of relationships. So then uh, your social world is more narrow, narrowly, narrowly a homogenous group of people. Um, suppressing the messages of your own body, like not listening to what your gut is saying, not listening to what your intuition is saying, and only being able to trust fewer and fewer voices of the people who say that they command the truth. And those voices, who by the way, are almost always from cisgender men, uh, it cannot be questioned that there's a certain like elevation and authority that says like this person has a unique um, um, understanding of the truth that we must elevate and cannot uh, ever have doubts or questions or anything like that. That's what fanaticism is. That's that's what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> and Jesus wants us to avoid. Like Jesus was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, this is not going to get you to where you want to go. And it's very important that you get to this thing that Jesus called the kingdom of God, the, the, this new world. Uh, fanaticism will not lead to the type of revolution that, that the world actually needs to have justice. So, uh, so there's this characterization, characterization of fanaticism. But then... There's faith, and faith is uh, really um, the antidote to fanaticism, or faith is really, like, couldn't be more different from fanaticism, because faith is what Simeon and Anna had. Uh, because what did we see? Simeon encountered Jesus, and he says, um, my faith has primed me or prepared me for this encounter with God, and that encounter is changing me. It is shifting me. And and uh, Anna, well, likewise, was like, okay, now I'm going to like uh, go out into the world and start talking to people. 
You know, like I've lived my whole life in this temple, I'm 84, and now I'm going out into the world praising God and talking to other people. Whereas fanaticism narrows our relationships and narrows down who we can trust, faith starts to open up our relationships and starts to open up how we can encounter people, including people who are really different from us and people who disagree with us. Faith strengthens us, gives us the bandwidth, grounding, capacity, pick your buzzword, to be able to um, encounter people who, who are quite different from us and still persistently see God within them. Faith allows us to say, like, all of creation was made by God, therefore all people are made in the image of God, and if all people are made in the image of God, that even includes my enemies. That even includes the people who have hurt me. It even includes the people I super disagree with, even on a systemic level. The people that uh, I am campaigning against to overthrow <laughs> are people who are made in the image of God. That's what faith allows us to see. It's so, um, again, like contradictory to social norms, but contradictory in kind of a subversive and loving way. Uh, faith results in opening up. Faith results in listening, in receptivity. And rather than putting all of the power into one leader, faith is kind of about like understanding that God is a God of all creation. This is kind of interesting considering that a hallmark of our faith is that one person, Jesus, he uses he, him pronouns, <laughs> is the savior of the, of the nations. Do you see how Jesus as a savior is fundamentally different from all of the other, what is the word, is sycophant the word? All the other religious fanatics who elevated themselves. Because Jesus was like, instead of trying to amass power for myself, I'm going to pour out everything that I have. I'm going to give instead of trying to command. I'm going to go to the margins of society. I'm going to go to the least popular people instead of trying to convince the most popular people. I'm going to uh, uh, live in po voluntary poverty. I'm going to uh, speak truth to power, even power that seemingly will never change. And, you know, like, Jesus was like, I'm showing you a way of being in the world that is the cure to fanaticism. It, it's showing a humility, a love, a community, a dearness. I'm feeling it even in my heart right now, um, of God, that, that Jesus is like, this is the path forward. This is how we will be together. And Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a, a model of like, yeah, uh, that's what we're aiming for, even though certainly that's true. Jesus also like was God's love on earth as a, as a commitment towards liberation. Hallelujah. So we see in Simeon and Anna this practice of seeing all of creation as, as a part of God's love, all of people as a part of God's love, and that God, who sets us free, who shows us not only that the world is beautiful, but that God is beauty itself, and that whenever we encounter beauty in the world, it is from the presence of God moving through it, that God, that God of beauty, of 
connection of opening up, of willingness to change, that God is worth dedicating everything to. That God offers a good news that makes the rest of the world look like cheap parlor tricks. That God who's opening us up, bringing us more and more to life, who is unfolding and revealing to us that God is where life is found. And so if we are to take responsibility for our human lives, for our short number of years that we have on this earth, it is worth dedicating our whole being to that God, the God of the unfolding, the God of the revealing, the God who sets us all free. That's what Simeon and Anna show us. Something that is deeper than fanaticism, more committed than fanaticism, more profound than fanaticism, that unlocks a healing within our soul and in our world that we desperately need. Simeon shows us that through prayer we can see Jesus and say, this is what I have been waiting my whole life for. And Anna shows us that it leads us out into the world, proclaiming a love that we know deeply in our bones. Y'all, 2024 is the year for us to show up like Simeon and Anna. Amen? Amen.